Hi there and thanks for joining us. Well, here we are, another step closer to normality with more restrictions being lifted next week. There is a little optimism doing the rounds and let's see how that grows over the next while. On this podcast, we're going to speak to the woman who's producing a map of where the talent is in Cork. We'll hear from the man for whom lockdown has led to a boom in the sale of rosé wine and the company producing sunglasses named after our finest beaches. I'm Jonathan Healy and this is Red Business. The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie Now on Red Business, I want to speak to a company with one of the best names for any company we've ever had on the podcast. Billy Forrester from Bubble Brothers. How are you? Hi, Jonathan. Yeah, uh, great, great, uh, great, to, great to talk to you today, and thanks for the uh, thanks for the great compliment as well. Are you one of the Bubble Brothers? Is that a fair assessment of what your responsibilities are? Well, the the, the name for the company uh, was derived ooh, more than twenty years ago when um, uh, I set up the business with with a friend with the view to becoming a champagne importer. It seemed like a great idea at the time. And we did that very successfully back in the year uh, 97 stroke 98. Um, And we've been selling bubbles and champagne to cork ever since, in fact. Um, We initially traded very successfully with uh, champagne-only product. That was pre-millennium. And then after the Big Bang, we found that nobody wanted to drink champagne anymore because everybody had had so much of it. So uh, that was the time to diversify. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, that was the reason why nobody wanted to drink it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, everybody had sort of, you know, gone bananas about it uh, in 1999. Um, And uh, at the beginning of 2000 was very quiet for champagne sales. So uh, I took myself off to the south of France to start developing a range of wines from there, which was um, an exciting place to go searching for new wine at the time. Still is, in fact. So how, how have consumer trends changed in recent times, Billy? Because obviously we are in the grips of another economic crisis right now, so there's not much champagne being consumed, but we do know that there is a lot of alcohol being consumed at home as opposed to being in restaurants and bars. So has that benefited the business model that you ended up with? Yeah, it, it's, it's been very strange because, you know, around the 12th of um, the twelfth of March, it became quite apparent that this, this was going to be quite a big deal um, because I was starting to see customers uh, were coming, trade customers uh, like restaurants and golf clubs, places like that were getting very nervous about what was happening and didn't really see much future, especially if their business relied on um, uh, uh, visitors from especially the United States. So um, when the lockdown finally came, it was quite a shock uh, because we lost pretty much 45% of our turnover straight away. Uh, All the wine that we would have supplied to restaurants and hotels, that just didn't happen anymore. So... Um, we had to batten down the hatches and look at the business model. And it became clear that we would, in order to get through this, have to sell more online. And that's what we've been doing, uh, sort of focusing on in the last in the last number of weeks. And um, 
certainly become very it, it's become a very uh, important uh, avenue for, for for trade it's one of the things we've talked about a lot to people in the last couple of weeks the pivot how you go from what was your business model to what is your business model how quickly you're able to do it and and whether or not your customer uh, wants what you've pivoted to now you're lucky that you're selling something that definitely is in demand mm. how have customers responded to this i mean was there was there a pent-up demand do you think for product or or was it the case that as people went on they wanted to experiment more than what they could pick up on the supermarket uh, the, the the bottle of wine becoming a little bit of an extra treat so they'd be willing to spend a little bit more i think that uh, uh, initially most of our customers would have been regular customers at the, uh, the shop in the English market, who for the first time ever had decided, okay, uh, let's try and order this online. And then when they went to our website at bubblebrothers.com, they were able to see that actually it was very easy to choose either their favorite bottles or a mixed case of wine from one of our suggestions. And that that could be delivered to their home with very little fuss. Um, so that that, that was interesting. We also found that people who habitually would go to restaurants and sort of spend quite a lot of money on a nice bottle of wine in the restaurant um, would be prepared to uh, um, upgrade um, and buy more interesting wines um, from the store. So we find that we're selling more uh, of the mid the mid range sort of price range of wines, and that's that's exciting for us because it allows us to. Uh, introduce new wines to people and uh, it's it's good it's exciting now of course uh, you were an environmentally conscious company um, and all of this online trading has resulted in increased packaging uh, and we know that temporarily our our drive towards getting rid of plastics and reducing waste has had to be temporarily suspended during this crisis but not so for Bubble Brothers tell me a little yeah. bit about uh, your pulp safe packaging what is yeah. it well I suppose they, one of the things about being in the wine business and set, sending wine uh, to private customers to their homes is that you have to transport it through a, a courier network. And that means your box of precious bottles is going to end up in maybe two to five different vehicles by the time it's delivered. Uh, so there's a high chance that something could go wrong along the way unless it's really well uh, well packaged. And... Um, uh, there's nothing worse than sending something to somebody and then the disappointment of it arriving or being returned to us because it was breakage in transit. So we've been looking hard at this for quite some time. And when a new uh, packaging uh, a packaging system uh, emerged, uh, it, it was very exciting to look at. And the name of this is called PulpSafe. And it's basically, if you want to imagine um, an egg box uh, to encapsulate the bottles of wines made of the same sort of material that a, 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 an egg box is made of, a sort of recycled pulp card, inside a sturdy brown box. And that allows us to transport the bottles within the box very safely, um, a, a nationwide, in fact, you know, across the country. So, uh, so does that mean that you've then opened up your horizons to not just the cork market now anymore people who'll be familiar with the with, with the stall in english market but an entire nationwide audience that there's opportunity in this crisis billy well we've been able to deliver nationwide for quite some time um it's uh, it, it costs the same to me to deliver a box to Donegal as it does to bishopstown but um 
the first, most of our customer, our core customer base would be uh, cork based because they they're familiar with us through through the stores and through the um, the work that we do in cork. Um, but uh, it's it's certainly possible to transport wine anywhere in the country for sure, for sure. Mm. Uh, t- tell me what's hot right now, Billy. What's the what's the big products that that you're shifting? If champagne was the big thing in '99, what's the big thing in 2020? Well, we're still selling quite a bit of sort of champagne and sparkling wine. Um, people, the wine that everybody's talking about at the moment, of course, is the is the Whispering Angel, the uh, the rosé. Yes. What well, what is the Whispering Angel? I mean, I have heard of this. I, I airwigged in a conversation involving my wife the other week, and I hadn't a clue what she was talking about. I thought she she'd gone all holy on me. What is Whispering Angel? It's it's a delightful uh, rosé made in the south of France, um, in the sort of the Provencal style. It's a very very pale salmon pink rosé, which is uh, really it, it, it's it's utterly delicious. Uh, very fine. And refreshing, and it's the perfect drink on a you know on a on a lovely, warm Irish summer day, when they're coming around, which is very rare. Uh, but w- when you look at that, um, I thought rosé was a very eighties thing that it went out with the Mary Rose sauce and the prawn cocktail. You're telling me it's back? Oh, big time, big time. In fact, we probably have about ooh, a dozen to eighteen different rosés in the store at the moment. So if you wanted to pop in, you know, you could walk away with. A couple of boxes and try a different rosé every day for two weeks. I mean, rosés have <laughs> have becoming more popular. Really, over the last two to three years, people are drinking more and more rosé. That's for sure. Billy, I'm very tempted now to do a tasting session. I'll record okay. it so you can hear me progress through the various different bottles. We should, of we should have thought of that before we started this. We could have... <laughs> <laughs> How do people get in contact with you if they're looking to order online, if they don't have a chance to get into the English market and see what you have? The best way to find us is to go to bubblebrothers.ie and uh, you'll get straight onto our website and then you can navigate to from the homepage to mixed cases or uh, any particular wine that you're looking for. It's, It's very easy to use um, and there's a phone number on the homepage if you're having any trouble or you'd like to telephone through an order the old-fashioned way you can do that it's 021-431-6000 that's the number okay billy it's been fascinating talking to you again i i, I give you total credit for a fantastic name for the business Thank and we wish much. you and all your colleagues the very best luck 18 bottles of rosé i'll make my way through them eventually <laughs> look forward to seeing you in the store jonathan Red Business with McCarthy Insurance Group, putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie We know that Cork is a very talented place, but for the first time ever, Cork County Council is trying to find out just how talented, and not only just how talented it is, but where that talent lives. They have enlisted the help of a company called Abodu, um, which is the brainchild of Vanessa Tierney, who we'll speak to in just a minute. But it's all part of Cork County Council's Project Act, which is designed to help towns and villages across the Cork recover from the impact of COVID-19. Vanessa Tierney, how are you? Hi, Jonathan. I'm great. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Tell us a little bit about Abodu. What do you do? Well, Abodu, it stands for abode your home and do being work and it's a platform that we built and launched two years ago from Wexford originally and the idea behind it at the time was to enable people that wanted to live in regional areas to register 
and be matched to companies that had a more flexible approach to the working model of remote working and co-working. Um, but fast tracking to 2020, um, we've been producing talent heat maps of regional skills in order to not just help companies within the county realize the talent that's readily available if they embrace remote working, but also attract international investment. We've seen a massive shift, and we've talked about it enough on the podcast to not dwell on it too long, but we've seen a massive shift in people working from home, the idea that you don't have to sit into an office anymore, the idea that you don't even have to be in the centre of a big city or a big town to do your work. Is that permanent, do you think? And do people who have the type of talents you're talking about need to embrace the fact that they don't have to be stuck in their cars all the time and they can still do their job? I think the way we work has changed forever. I mean, if we speak from the business perspective, we all had very little notice to go remote and people are proving that it is possible and that initial trust factor perhaps or will technology allow this to happen has been proven that yes, it can be. Will it remain, which it has been 100% remote? I think it's unlikely. I think we'll get to a point where companies when offices are reopening will say, listen, let's embrace this the percentage of the time. Let's identify our smart working model, whether it's three days in the office, two days from home, or let's leverage some of the digi hubs around Cork County. Let's look at reducing our rent costs or hot desking. There's so many solutions. And I think from the people's perspective, like, if you've lost your job and you're coming from an industry that's been badly affected, we want you to register your skills because your skills are transferable to other industries that are hiring. Um, if you are working right now and working from home, that's fantastic. And we want to know about that. We want to know what's the demand for remote working in the future for Cork County. And this could be an amazing opportunity for the county because when you think about from an employment perspective, the world is now the marketplace for Cork. And also it's a lovely opportunity for people that perhaps have been abroad, have acquired lots of experience, but really always thought they'd love to come home and work. They can now do that potentially and have an international career living in, in the region. Can you link people up then with potential employers? I mean, what's the purpose of having the heat map if you don't connect the people who've submitted their details with any potential employer who's coming in? I think this is absolutely essential because any sort of mapping that's happened in the past, and let's face it, a lot of the data that was used was census data. Whereas if we look at the ability to map skills live, which is what we're doing, people are anonymous, which is a really important point to highlight. So when you register, you're in control. But to answer the question, yes, you can absolutely be matched. And we've struck a lovely partnership with Cork County. We want to enable companies in Cork to access talent and um, be matched. So they have six months free access to the platform. They can post unlimited jobs and have access. And this also applies to companies maybe considering Cork as a location, whether they intend to land here in an office or actually hire remotely. Cork will now be able to demonstrate one of the greatest assets, which is their skilled workforce. Now, I mean, we, we all think we're fantastic in Cork. I mean, you're from Wexford, so you mightn't realise how great we are. But what kind of talents have started coming through on the heat map already? 
Um, I, I and I love how the counties are so competitive, and that's isn't that the beauty of regional working that we can now be on a level playing field. Um, the, I, the the skills are phenomenal. I mean, they really are. We all know Cork is very well known for ICT and pharma, and that's reflective in the skills that are registering. Interestingly, now there's an uplift in people with finance experience, legal, customer service. A, a big uplift now in sales, account management, digital marketing. Um, we have 50,000 skills registered on the platform. So it does not matter whatever your background is. And literally, if you've come from an industry that's really suffering right now and you're thinking, how can I transfer my skills? The way we've built the matching algorithm is that whatever your skill is, if that skill applies to another industry, a match will happen. And at that point in time, you're anonymous and you can decide, actually, I want to reveal myself and go into process. And the reason we do that is embracing smart working means we can access um, just super diverse talent pools. So whether you're not ready for retirement and you want to work from home part time, you're returning parent and you up until this point in time, the idea of commuting and working um, in the office full time was not an option. Remote working opens it up for everybody, including people with mobility challenges. So, like, we welcome everyone to register on, on the page. Um, with the advent of good broadband, which is rolling out everywhere, not quite everywhere where it should be as of yet, uh, th- this is going to become more relevant and more important, I'd imagine, in the years ahead. Um, should every county, should every area have a talent heat map? Um, showing where people are. They may have fallen out of the workforce, as you say, they may be retired or they could be doing any any particular reason why they might be on the look. But it's the kind of thing that in the modern environment is going to be very important when it comes to placing industry, placing jobs in the future. Should we all be doing this? I think we should. Like I, I spoke with a venture capital company in San Francisco who said that the big companies that are based in San Francisco are going to start looking at global talent because you know the cost of hiring there in that particular location is astronomical. Now, if you have the same skilled worker that happens to be in Middleton or Yale who has that same experience, but perhaps their expectation on earning is less, you are now on a level playing field. So. I think that, yes, every county should map their talent because, you know, as technology takes over and robotics take over, what you have as an asset is three things as a county. You're the skills of the worker. And we have an amazing skill workforce uh, in Ireland and in our diaspora, many of which would like to come home. Secondly, connectivity. And you bring up a good point because there are black spots still across counties in, in Ireland. But really, if there's a digi hub, and this is the wonderful thing about the mapping, because we will get insight as to what is the demand for digi hubs based on what are the skills. And even if you're not in Cork County at the moment and you want to move back, you can still register and you can still highlight your skills and where you'd like to be, because that's all intelligence that the council will be able to use and act on. How do people get involved in this particular project? If you have a particular talent, you want to register it in your area, you do it anonymously, how can you do it? So for people, for individuals, they simply go to abodu, so I'll spell it A-B-O-D-O-O.com forward slash Cork County. That will bring you to a landing page that talks about this project, this initiative, which will be running for the entire year. And you click register and you go in and allow yourself, make yourself a cup of tea, because this is an eight minute process. And 
you want to take your time, you know, because this is inputting data, not just on your skills, but what do you want? Do you want to work from home? Do you want part-time, full-time, employed, contractor? Um, and once you've completed that, like I mentioned, you're anonymous and it goes into this mapping. And then in the future, or even now, we're starting to see companies register opportunities. If matches happen, you'll be alerted. And equally for companies that are out there, if you're thinking, actually, we do need to hire, but maybe we should consider remote working or smart workers. Equally, you're very welcome to register. There is no charge and you can put in the details and access the amazing talent of Cork. Abodu.com forward slash Cork County. Vanessa Tierney, the CEO of Abodu. Thanks so much for talking us through it and uh, good luck at finding all that talent. Thanks, Jonathan. The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie Well, the weather has been relatively good for the last while. One might say it was even summer-like and I don't want to pox it by any stretch. But, you know, we actually had to use our sunglasses and we know that sunglasses are made from plastic and plastic isn't particularly good. But my next guest has decided to shake it up a little bit by introducing sunglasses called the Inchidani and the Barley Cove. And not only are they named after fantastic Cork places, but they're also made from fully recycled, allergy-free pl- products. Um, Owen McGuinness, Managing Director of Crown Goods Limited. How are you? All good. Thanks very much for having me, Jonathan. Tell me a little bit about how you came up with this idea. Yeah, good question. So um, a couple of years ago, I actually lived in Thailand. So, um, And I kind of noticed when I was over there how good and bad they were with recycling, particularly plastic. So um, I'm a bit of an eco-warrior when it comes to plastics and, and waste and stuff like that. So um, initially what I kind of came back after living in Thailand for a few years teaching over there, I came back home and started kind of coming up with a few concepts. And I love sunglasses. I love watches. So um, kind of cran, kind of got born at that point. Um, and the whole concept really was to take recycled materials whether that's wood whether that's plastic whether that's stainless steel um melt it down put it into its raw material um into cubes into 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 the case of wood we put them into planks and then we kind of recreate them into into watches and and sunglasses so um it all kind of came from just seeing the amount of waste that was ultimately there and and how to break it down and, and how it can be ultimately reused into something that's kind of fashionable to be honest yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a really unique idea. Most of what we recycle here ends up in the Far East anyway. So uh, are you, could you technically be using some Irish plastic that has been recycled and is now coming back in the form of, of, of good-looking sunglasses? Yeah, that's absolutely it, Jonathan. Like, it's it's quite funny. Like, a lot of the ships that go out with plastic, uh, with, with kind of recycled materials ultimately ends up in Southeast Asia in some form. Um, so the way we actually do it is, um, it's an Irish guy that, that lives over in, um, in Thailand that, that manufactures all of my sunglasses for me. So he's actually the guy that goes on the hunt and tries to find things. And he's the one that kind of gets the raw material. So we basically take them from the ships and from the, from the, you know, the resources that, that are there. And, and then we take them into our manufacturing facilities and we, we kind of break them down into their raw material again. And then recreate them again uh some say it's a little bit of a longer process but uh i think the results kind of speak for themselves 
Yeah, it's kind of mad uh, when you think about it. We we put so much into recycling and uh, that's only some of, of what's being reclaimed. How easy is it to use that kind of plastic, stuff that uh, already has its first use and to, to melt it down? Does it, is it an easy process? Yeah, look, it's 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 not it's not as easy as taking something that's brand new. I suppose there is a little bit of a little bit of work on in terms of the breaking it down process. But to be honest, I think the wood is probably the thing that takes a little bit more time because ultimately you have to kind of you have to break it back down, you have to put it into blocks again, and then you have to kind of recut it and all that sort of stuff. So that probably takes a little bit more time. But I think ultimately, if you can take something that people see as as kind of waste and and turn it into something that honestly people see as a fashion piece it's it's quite remarkable how that change can happen uh, is it is it expensive to do i mean i'm I, I haven't seen how how expensive these sunglasses are i mean anyone who's ever passed through one of those fancy shops at the airport knows that you can you could easily drop a couple of hundred quid for something you'd pay a tenner for uh, in, in a cheap shop i mean how, how expensive does it have to be to sustain that eco dream of yours yeah, it, look, it, it it is an awful lot more expensive. Like realistically, I could I could be taking you know brand new raw material, and I can I could probably do it for half the price we do it now. But I think it's not really the point. I didn't set up the business with the idea of you know this is going to be the uh, you know a profit making machine. I wanted to kind of stand by some kind of eco eco standard principles, and also kind of link in some of that like social responsibility to it as well so one of the other things that we do which is kind of quite different to the, your bigger brands like your Ray-Bans or your Q's or stuff like that is that we we actually give a two euro donation for every product sold to the national or to the native woodland trust um, which is kind of bringing it back full circle back to Ireland because what they do is they ultimately plant educate um people around uh, native woodlands and and hedgerows um so the concept really is is that if we can if someone makes a purchase of any shape or form that money is going straight to them so hopefully you know enriching the forest enriching the woodland that we have so you know trying to make it full circular um you know if it's a case of we cut the margin slightly and we keep a product that's that's made out of something that's you know uh, reusable is recycled well then that's more important to me than you know making an extra 10 euro on profit at the end of the day yeah so why name them after all these lovely Irish peaches? And and what does the uh, what what did what did Inchidani do for you that that led to a fantastic name as brand of sunglasses? Yeah, so um, it's kind of a it's kind of a, an interesting story. So every year, my mum and, and my two sisters we used to travel to a different uh, Irish kind of town, um, a coastal town. So uh, Inchidani was one of the ones that we stayed in, and. I loved it. I loved West Cork. Thought it was cool. I just really, 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 we had a great summer that year. Um, and it was a place where I, I would have. You probably noticed there's a couple of different names like like Lahinch is even there as well. I I loved surfing as a kid and bodyboarding as as my um when I was a little bit younger. So Inchdani was one of those places where I just really enjoyed it. Um, and same with Barley Cove, to be honest. There were two areas that we, we stayed um, in campsites. We had a great time. We spent the whole month of August. So I suppose it's this collection, um, as I call it, the Traw collection, so beach collection. It's just all about those places that bring back fond memories for me and my family. So um, the business is run by myself my and my sister and my, my mom. Um, so we kind of were, were brainstorming over the kitchen table and it was probably one of the things we were like, why don't we call them our, our favorite towns that we stayed in, you know, over the 
the last 20, 20 odd years. Well, it's as good a reason as any to name it after anything. Um, Kabir, has it been better for you uh, during this crisis? Because I'm presuming that most of your sales would have been online anyway, or did you have any bricks and mortar outlets that had to close? Yeah, so I, I myself, we, we never had any um, retail stores our, ourselves, but we, we did sell to directly to um, to retailers. So that side of things have taken a bit of a hit. But to be honest, the online stuff has been has been going from strength to strength. Um, look, to be honest, Jonathan, I suppose this is one of the things is Irish people are just wonderful when the backs are up against the wall and supporting their own. Like, uh, I've just... You know, I'm I'm a very proud Irish man at the best of times, but I'm even more so now. You know, even seeing websites like JustBuyIrish.com or like LoveGreen.ie, like these are these websites that are focusing purely on um just putting a voice to small Irish businesses, has been a massive plus for me. Um, and seeing people kind of come together from a business community perspective, and and seeing Irish people ultimately standing by and buying Irish products. And it's been, it's been really inspirational, to be honest. Um, we had, but overall, I think it's been a, it's been an exceptional summer. So or like um, spring so far. So fingers crossed it'll, it'll stay the same for the rest of the year. Well, it may be weather dependent. So we will see how, how long this current good spell lasts. Uh, Owen, how can people find you if they're, if they want to have a, 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 a glance at the Traw collection and maybe don the barley cove? Of course. So it's on uh, co, and that's the same as cran.co on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok as well. Okay, yeah, you're covering all your bases there. Own oh, absolute pleasure. Uh, fair play for doing your bit to save the planet and for having a business right now that uh, that is doing well in this crazy, crazy world that we found ourselves in. Own McGuinness of Cran Goods Limited. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Anderson. My thanks, as always, to all of my guests. Don't forget, Red Business at redextra.ie if you want to get involved. All of the episodes are available on redextra.ie. Myra Hayes-Goff was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business with McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie.